Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? Do the things you want to do if you want to do the MBA, yeah, you'll go do it. Worry less about, you know, having the deposit for your mortgage and being ready to have children on time and you don't have to play to anyone else's beat. International award winner and speaker Lisa Walker is a bit crazy. A bit extra, as she terms it. She likes to think outside the box and has a huge heart. She's had a varied career in many sectors, including government, accounting, retail, and now agriculture and healthcare. Yet she's still trying to work out what she wants to be when she grows up. Lisa gained her Certified Practicing Accountant qualification in 2007 and was awarded a fellowship of the CPA in 2022. She was the winner of the Women in Health category at the inaugural International Women Changing the World Awards in 2023 and recently added author to her bio, launching her first co-authored book, Women Leading the Way at the London Book Fair. Lisa has a number of businesses she has established or rebuilt with her partners, including four healthcare businesses. They recently won the 2023 Telstra Best of Business Championing Health category for the ACT. With any remaining time she has left after raising her kids and managing all the companies, she also has a truffle farm located in the Yass Valley in New South Wales. So many different things to talk about. This is going to be fun. Lisa, it is fabulous to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. So if there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? For me, it's the conforming to the whole normality. You know, go to university, get married at this age, have two children, one boy, one girl, live in this beautiful house and all that kind of thing. And I think it really skews reality. Yeah, right. So so that whole society's expectations kind of blowing that up, would that be the right, right terminology? <laughs> I'd say so, yeah, definitely. You do have two kids and, you know, you are married. And so why is this something that you're passionate about? What, what, what are we missing here? Like, I absolutely love my kids and love the life that I have built for my family. But I just feel like I've missed out on so many things because I did conform. I did just, you know, go to school, got good grades, you know, went to uni, did really well at uni, went to my corporate nine to five role and, and until I met my partner and got married and all these steps and timeframes. And I feel like, oh my God, where did I live? So you're thinking now as you're getting older, like reflecting on what you've missed out on, is that sort of where you're coming from? I think so, yeah. And not only that, but why does society expect us to do that? And I guess, you know, over the last couple of years, COVID has played such a big part in changing things up and really having so many people question, why do we do those things? Or even, you know, I know a lot of people were like, how do we date him this time to get married by this age? And I'm like, why do you have to be married by that age? Yeah, I I can't agree with you more. Like it's something that I've been super passionate about for a while. I've never lived a life of conforming and in any part of my life. And, 
you know, whether I was a kid, you know, a young girl in Melbourne playing cricket with all the boys and my teachers used to tell me I wasn't allowed to and my dad would turn up at school and say, why can't she play? <laughs> you know? So, you know, I had a family and parents that were very strong advocates for doing whatever you love and doing what you want to do. And it doesn't matter, you know, in terms of gender roles or any of that type of stuff. They were very great role models and really instilled that love of life and zest for learning that I have. But to your point, though, it's hard to not fall into the trap of society's expectations, especially through different stages of our life. So did you feel that you weren't ready for marriage or that you didn't want necessarily to have kids at a particular time? Is that why you're feeling like this now? I'm a self-confessed people pleaser over here. So for me, that's the pressure that I felt of society and expectations of my parents. My mum was migrated to Australia at quite a young age. You know, she was getting told at 17 uh, as a a European migrant that she was going to be left on the shelf if she didn't get married soon. So she was quite a late bloomer getting married. I think she got married at 25. So, you know, I had all those kind of expectations and, you know, you marry somebody and you, you know, build the house of your dreams and then you, you know, have the children. And I didn't want to let anyone down. I really wanted to make their expectations, their approval. And that was so important to me, you know, have their support and have their their badge and they approve of what I'm doing. I'm validated by their thoughts. So how did you work through that? And where are you at now with this journey? It was a couple of years ago. And again, even the gender-based roles, as you mentioned before. So I have an older brother and a younger brother. And I'll never forget the day my mum's got chronic health issues and, and, and chronic pain. And she called me up and I was in the middle of running the businesses that I run, extremely busy, and I was in the middle of interviewing a staff member. And she called three times and I thought, okay, that's emergency. She needs me. And so I picked up the phone and I said to her, you know, what's going on? What's wrong? She's like, I desperately need my pain relief medication you know your dad's out the farm that we have can you please go pick it up for me Uh, and I was like okay check the time I've got it literally an hour before I've got to get the kids from school so you know again mum gets kids from school so I'm off to her doctor pick up the script go to the pharmacy get the meds I'm driving back and I pass her on the road and I called her I said mum what's going on like are you that bad you're actually now driving yourself to the doctor she said no your brother's really unwell he needs his pain medication too. So I thought I'd better go get it for him. And I just thought, oh my goodness. I'm at this point where like, you know, now I'm feeling used and abused as the daughter. Yeah, again, there's just stereotypical gender roles. The daughter helps mom and dad. And now I was cooking for them and helping them with all kinds of bits and pieces as well at the time. And I just went, oh, okay. And it kind of let it go at the time. I was upset by it and I just kind of let it go. And I was like, okay, all right. Until we got to a point where my brother and me bankrupted my parents in 2017. And I saved them again <laughs> from this happening and, and bailed them out. And we came up together with a position to take them forward until it all fell out again two years later. And I haven't, I've actually been estranged from my parents for three years next month because it got to this point where I wasn't meeting their good girl expectations anymore, being just the daughter who did and literally turning myself and my family up for them, you know, trying to people please them and conform to their idea of what I should be and who. And I'd let them dictate that too much to me over the course of my life. And so I kind of put a hold to it then. I love my family. I love my kids. That's not certainly, (laughs) I don't regret having anything like that. But, you know, I feel like I don't want to do the same thing to them. So I say to my daughter, she plays rugby union and rugby league and basketball. And I remember saying to her, probably she was about seven or eight. And I said to her, do you want to do cheerleading? You know, school have a cheerleading team. She's like, I'm not being a cheerleader. They're going to cheer for me. And I was like, I love this. 
Fabulous. Oh, that's great. And it's interesting you talk about when you talk about your parents, I think you're probably not alone. There's a lot of people that, you know, feel the same and especially when their parents are getting older and having to do stuff. I think the point there is about sharing the load though, right? Your siblings are as much as, you know, their parents as as you are and same ownership, so same responsibility. And I feel that in a lot of cases and especially things I've seen over the years with different mates that, that are in these similar circumstances, you kind of just have to stand up and stop doing it and say, no, that's it. I'm not doing that anymore. Because the more you allow that to happen, the more they rely, especially if you are the reliable one. I've got, you know, three siblings as well as four of us. And so same, I was always a reliable one. And so my parents were like, well, you'll always get it done. And we know that you'll be there and we'll know that you'll do it. And so I'm like, but that's not the point. And I think as parents, to be aware of that, to not let the kid off that is a bit slack or doesn't do it or whatever, you've got to work a bit harder at it. And I know it's exhausting and you're like, oh, it's just easier to get Susie to do it because she's going to be on time. But I think that's a lesson for everyone to learn what you're going through or what you've been through. And I mean, it's pretty drastic to get to a stage where you're estranged from your parents. So that must have been really painful. Yeah, it has. It's been huge. I was extremely close to my mum. We always had a very good relationship. She helped me with my children when they were born. And it was simply that fact is that I can't be everything to everyone and something had to give. And when I did say to my brother, well, firstly, when you know he did put them in a significant, really bad financial position, I basically turned around and said, you need to step up and do this. And he basically told me to mind my own business in not so nice terms. I just didn't feel that was fair. And my older brother is an alcoholic and drug addict. So he was you know, living in a refuge. He's quite unwell now. Then I just got to the point where something had to give and it couldn't be my kids anymore. And it couldn't be me anymore either. That feels so selfish, but... No, it's not. And I think that's a really interesting point. I think that selfish is a word, especially as women, that we would use or think and feel. But there's a difference between selfishness and self-preservation. And it's the old put your um, air mask on in a plane before anyone else. You need to be in the right space, protecting yourself, have good boundaries before you can do all the other things that you can for others. So I think that women are notoriously bad at that would be my observations of a lot of my mates and colleagues over the years. So I think we need to get better at the boundary building and self-preservation. So yeah, I think you're doing the right thing in that regard. And I mean, it's fascinating because, you know, here you are a very successful businesswoman. You've got what five companies and, you know, to have your brothers and the situations that they're in, it sounds like you're the black sheep of the family in, in a good way. <laughs> they always called me the golden child, but I'd much prefer the black sheep term. the rebel so come back then to about you know society's expectations and your point about raising this how old were you when you got married I was 26 so young I guess in today's expectations but still some people get married at 21 and they love it and they want that and you know everyone's different what advice would you have for your 26 year old self now wait give us some more time go see the world do lots of things so for me one of my dreams was to live overseas for a period before I'd settled down explore explore the time and, and the cities and do the things you want to do if you want to do the MBA at Yale, go do it. Worry less about, you know, having the deposit for your mortgage and being ready to have children on time and you don't have to play to anyone else's beat. Yeah, I guess the challenge if you know you want to have kids though is that there is a bit of a biological clock. <laughs> so that's something you've got to kind of manage as well. How old were you when you had your kids, your first child? I had Serena at 28 and Mason just after my 30th birthday. Okay, so yeah, pretty soon. You're married for two years. So again, you felt that that was an expectation on you versus actually you feeling that you're ready for that? 
Yeah, I think I probably could have waited longer because I was 150 kilos at the time. Everyone kept telling me it's going to take you forever. You're going to have to do it sooner rather than later. Again, it's all those pressures. And then literally first go, I was like, oh, well. And then second time, we weren't even trying four months later after she was born. And I was like, okay, I can't, like, I can't complain. I know there's a lot of people on the opposite end of the spectrum. So I'm very, very grateful that it did happen that way and love my dude so much. But probably again, would have potentially waited a, a bit longer so that I did have the opportunity to really have a grounding and sort my career out and be in a position I felt ready rather than, oh, I've been married two years, quick, we better have kids. And then as soon as you pop this first one out, when's the second? It's all these kind of conversations. Do it when you're ready. Have fun. Go do what you're going to do. Yeah, or, or don't do it at all. As I wrote the book, you know, it's okay not to have kids. It's not for everyone. And parenting is amazing for lots of people. And, you know, many people love it and are very good at it, but many people are not. And many people don't love it. And that's okay as well. People rant on, oh, it's a natural thing and this and that. But I mean, our world is different now to what it was in, you know, the 1900s and procreation obviously is a natural part of us as humans, but everyone doesn't have to take that on if you don't wish to do that. And I just feel that people need to have the choice and to really think and sit with that, you know, with themselves and to sort of decide whether that's what they want. And, you know, all those kind of combats of, oh, you'll never know love, you know, unless you've had your own child and, you know, who are you going to have to look after you when you're older? Like that to me is absolute bullshit, that stuff. Like, I mean, I know lots of people that are estranged from their parents, like, you you know, you're a great example, that their kids aren't going to look after them. <laughs> so what else in terms of those other expectations you talk about, obviously, of having a big, you know, accounting career, you know, before you kind of then moved into your own businesses and working the whole nine to five job. So how do you want to shake that up as well in terms of the corporate world? I think in the corporate world, I don't even believe it's such thing as a nine to five anymore. You're just accessible all the time. And there's some of those fantastic corporate books, you know, they're like, oh, answer that email because if you don't answer, it's going to be on your mind and it'll take you 10 minutes to do it, but five seconds now. And I call BS on that too. You you have to have balance as well. And like with my last job, I had a huge corporate role. You know, I'd be briefing their former PM and five o'clock in the morning before he flew off when he was the immigration minister, preparing all kinds of information for him and that kind of and it was he who actually turned around to me at the time and said go home to your kids that's where you need to be right now and I was like okay yeah amazing because in the political sphere did you work part of his team were you not directly so I was in the department and I got to work on some amazing projects in government which was really really cool and a lot of fun but again there was this whole you're accessible at any time what did you learn though about corporate job stuff and then what led you into having your own businesses what are the learnings there that other people could get from those experiences I think it's about the boundaries that you put in and it's about setting expectations as much as it is the boundaries too. So if you put your boundaries in and then let everybody know how you're going to operate around that, I think that's so important so that people know not to bother you at six o'clock because six o'clock, you know, with a two-year-old and a three-year-old is crazy time in the house when you're trying to juggle dinner and unpack daycare bags and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not going to get to you then, but at eight o'clock once they're in bed and fast asleep and everything's prepped for the next day, I will be on my game and ready to go for you and so I put some of those expectations in place or you know I won't be in until nine because I like to do school drop off that's important to me but it's from nine o'clock to five you've got me game on and then if you need me after that I'll be there so really putting those boundaries in and setting to them don't call me at this time it's the expectations I think that was really critical and then moving into my own business well of course we had to resurrect it it was near bankrupt so I knew it was going to be hard yards 
my mum was a nurse and she had a significant accident when I was 15 and broke her neck at nursing. And so a couple of years later, they purchased a healthcare business and she did an amazing job. She definitely turned her life around from, you know, having been so down from the accident through to then obviously running these amazing businesses. But by the time her health had started to fail again, and we were already looking for other alternatives. My husband was having to travel with his role with government and he would do regularly, you know, six to eight weeks stints overseas. And it was just when we had the little guys were so little, you know, we were never kind of in one space at one time. So we were looking at other business opportunities and that's when this one, my parents said, well, what about this? So we had to resurrect it. It was severely depleted. And so I think I pulled bits from every part of my career then into that, that I could then utilize to be an amazing leader, you know, hire the right staff and put in some really amazing practices and principles to bring forward what I thought was the best values of the business. And and then we just grew it from there and it's just gone boom. And then we created a third and then a fourth. And I just love it because it's on my term. You know, I can sleep in on the weekends or there's going to be days that it's five o'clock in the morning, but I can run it wherever I am and however I am. So it is on my terms. Yeah, but it's hard slog though as well, right? You know, there's this romantic notion in young 20-year-olds that like, oh, I'll have my own business and to your point, I'll get to work when I want and do whatever. It's a hard slog and I think especially in the, you know, initial years you can get to a point where you can work different hours or whatever but I just feel people's expectations are probably a little bit skewed in that space because most people that have their own company are working seven days a week or as you said you might not you'll be able to do this cool pick up or drop off but then you're working at eight o'clock at night and so you know if you have a normal job the nine to five and I think that's where people have to kind of understand that like it's sort of with say horses for courses some people are designed and built and are better off working for others they're better off to be employees not everyone's designed to be a boss not everyone has the nature experience or tenacity to have their own business or to run a company like it's really tough so I mean I think you're kind of being cruisy about it but you've clearly worked bloody hard right Absolutely. There is definitely nothing crazy about it. I make it look nice. One of my nurses who works for me, she saw I had a new Louis Vuitton handbag and she was like, oh, it's, you know, kind of nice for some. And I said to her, yes, absolutely. But my hourly rate was 50 cents last year for all the hours that I did. Yours was $48 an hour plus superannuation plus long service leave. And, you know, I gave you a bonus and all these things as well. So, which one would you like? It's just like 50 cents an hour. I'm like, that's the hours I genuinely work. It is busy. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so you've written a book as well, Lisa, that's called Women Leading the Way. Tell me what's that about and why did you feel compelled to write the book? So it's a collaboration of a number of different authors Australia-wide. There's some absolutely phenomenal women. I had the pleasure of meeting them. The stories and the leadership of the women in this book are, are huge. I resonated so much when they were calling for authors to contribute with the whole leadership notion. And for me, it was always male-dominated industry that accounting was, is you've got to lead with an iron fist. You have to you know, be tough and hard. Whereas as soon as I turned that on its head and instead of leading with an iron fist, I led with a golden heart, my team were amazing. They wanted to collaborate. They were now talking to me. They wanted to listen to me. They wanted to do well. They wanted to be loyal. They wanted to contribute and feel useful for the team. And I think women as leaders have so much to contribute. And, you know, we need to be in positions, you know, in government and in major organisations. And that's where I love that you've done all, all of that too, Michelle. You know, it's so important that we have this even balance 
across the board. And again, it brings me back to this conformity thing. Like, you know, we conform and have the two children, we get knocked out of the workspace or we take time off to have the children and then all of a sudden we're not eligible or we're not seen as capable or, and again, changing that dynamic, I think is so important as well. I know when I started as a 19-year-old undergrad accountant, the best performer on my team was the mum of six-year-old twins who worked three school days a week. I could hand her anything and Nat would kick goals every time. Best of time management as well, aren't they? Like, you know, because they're like, well, I've got like two hours to get shit done. Like, I can't afford that about, you know, the latest maths episode or whatever that's happening in the office. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Oh, what a great experience to be part of. It was cool. And I've got another one coming out shortly. I've collaborated with some other really amazing women. It's called How Curiosity Killed the 9 to 5. So it'll be launched in September. Oh, fantastic. And so, I mean, it's one thing, as I said, with us being business owners and being able to be flexible with our own hours. But if someone's listening and they're working for someone else, you know, as an employer, if one of your staff came to you, how do they navigate this space? How do they talk to their bosses and say, you know, I need a bit of flexibility here or, and having kids is easy. I can give you some heads up there to have that excuse to say, look, I want to do school pickup. So I really want to leave at three o'clock. Like, can we work something out? I wasn't a mother, but I still was very understanding in those kind of realms. But saying I want to leave at three because I want to go for a run or I want to go to my Pilates class or I want, I've got a university course is a tougher conversation to get through, I can tell you. So I'm curious about, you know, how you would recommend people to have those kind of convos to say, you know, they want a bit of flexibility within their working life. The proof is always in the pudding. So, you know, have the conversation, but make sure you deliver on the work that you do as well. So I want to leave at three today because I really want to go to this gym class. For me, I had a beautiful lady start on my team and she is mid-40s, never married, never children, but she has puppies, loves to get a brand new puppy. You know, can I bring the puppy into the office? Sure. I've got to go home. I've got to, you know, needs this, that or the other. It needs to be fed regularly. Absolutely. I think it's about those open, honest and authentic conversations to say, this is really important to me. You're going to get the best out of me if I can get the best out of that. And even now my team, like one of my team members is off this morning. She's like, oh, I've got to go have a look at this block of land. We might miss it. And I've got to get my car service. So we're down to one car. No problem. Have the day. Go. Go for it. Do what you have to do. And I think she's only going to come back in tomorrow and be contributing just as much as ever. You know, it, it is about having those conversations. This drives me. This is what I need to do. And you're going to get the best out of me for doing that. Uh, will definitely work with most bosses. I think it's true. You know, the core message here is around determining what is right for you in your life. I think that's one of the things I see where people go, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. And they're like, but have they really thought about what it is they want to do? Because some people might say, yeah, I want to have a business or I'd love to have that freedom, flexibility, but as I said, they're not wired that way. They need to do the work. Like you need to do the work on yourself and determine, you know, whether you want to get married. You need to do the work and really think about like, well, do I want to have children? Think about my life when I'm 50 or 70 and how does that feel if I don't have children in my life? Am I okay with that? Have I got maternal instincts? Do I not? Or paternal? Do I not have them? And it's on every facet of your life. I think that's the message that you're trying to portray. And what I always portray through my message of living an unconventional life is do what makes your heart sing, do what is true to you and, you know, what makes you happy because actually no one really matters. Even though you think your best friend having a comment or your, your mom or your sister or whatever commenting about the shit you do in your life, it's no one else's business. You are the only one that can truly live your life in the way you want. And so you have to really determine what that looks like and be true to yourself, but then actually go for it. 
like, and be brave enough to make those decisions and change the things that you've talked about today of actually tweaking your life a bit, which is tough. It's really hard. I always had a conversation with my daughter. She didn't even second guess the fact that somebody might judge her in any type of way for being a rugby union rugby league player. I was like, go for it. I didn't ever have that opportunity. I'd have to go with my brothers and watch them play every week, but do it. If that's what makes you happy, you have to give it a go. You know, if you've got the want to do it and you want to make it happen for yourself, do it. Don't let the judgment get you. But equally the same with your son. Like if he wants to do, you know, sewing or anything else, like it's the gender bias stuff needs to be completely smashed out of the park now. Like seriously, we're long beyond that in my view. So uh, the more we can break it down and, you know, with that next generation and with parents like yourself that are, you know, really providing a framework and it's almost like an open ground for, you know, your kids to play and to try things and just to learn, like you have a go at anything and everything and then they'll start to find out the stuff that they love. Yeah, absolutely. Be happy. We'll stop. It's been so lovely to chat to you today. Thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on the show. It's wonderful to meet you. Thanks so much, Michelle. It was lovely being here. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com. Listener.